Well, good morning, Lifehouse. Great to have you with us this morning. Listen, if you're on social media or if you're on our platform, I want you to do something. I want you to invite someone to come and join us this morning. You can share this on your page if you're on Facebook or if you're on our platform, you can use the button that we're just putting up right now on your phone or on your computer and you can share this so that someone else invites someone else to come and join us this morning. Okay, well, we're gonna have an amazing time of worship. So let's stand, let's get ready, let's position our hearts towards God and uh, I'm gonna hand it over to the team. No. 
because you are good, you are good to me, and I sing because you are good, and I'll dance because you are good, and I'll shout because you are good, you are good, you're good to me,
Now, that's just such a wonderful time of worship together. Okay, well, we're going to do some announcements now, and then uh, Lee is going to be sharing the word with us this morning. So again, if you haven't already, I want to just encourage you to invite other peoples to join us for, for the word um, after the announcements. If You can use that share uh, on Facebook, or if you are on our platform, you can use the invite me link that's just been put up and share that on social media. And uh, it's great opportunities to invite people to come and to be part of what it is that we're doing. Thanks, James. What's up, Laugh House Church? We're happy that you're here to join us. If you're tuning in for the first time, welcome. If you haven't yet, try our new online platform at lifehousecaonline.church, where we can talk and pray together. And if you're new today, please stay connected and follow us on our Instagram or Facebook at lifehouse.ca. And so, as a family, we want to be obedient to God with our time, our treasures, and our talents. One of the many ways you and I can give is through tithes and offerings. You can give online through our LifeHouse app, which you can download through any app store. Or you can also give through our website, which is at lifehouse.ca. But if you like it simple like me, you can scan this QR code right here. Remember, it's not about how much you give, it's about who and why you're giving it. God delights in a cheerful giver above everything else. My dad said, you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. Now over to Abby for some LifeHouse events. Now, we hope to encourage you, our church family, during these times to connect even more than ever. First off, we have our Zoom prayer meetings happening every Wednesday from 7 to 7.30 p.m. on Zoom. Just remember to email us at info at lifehouse.ca and we will send you the meeting ID so you can join in. One of the most important things we value as a community is praying for each other. If you or someone you know needs some prayer boost, please send your request to info at lifehouse.ca. We also have our midweek worship sets. These sessions will be happening online every Monday at 1 p.m., Thursday at 7.30 p.m., and Friday at 7.30 p.m., led by Nanat Nats, Jansen, and Randy. It'll be live on our Facebook and our YouTube channel. Now over to Nikki. We've got super exciting news for you guys. We'll be holding a 10-week alpha course this fall. And if you would like to get involved with leading and helping run this course, please get in touch with us. We would also like to run Freedom Sessions beginning this fall online. And if this is also something you're very interested in, please get in touch with us. You can email us at info at lifehouse.ca. Now, if you are someone that you know is between grade 6 to grade 12, we invite you to join us at Friday Zoom nights as we start our new series called Spiritual Disciplines. That's this Friday at June 5th at 7 p.m. We always talk about abiding in Christ as a key to following Jesus, but what does this look like practically? So we wanna be able to help the youth discover what this looks like and how to apply this in their lives. You can also stay updated with more youth hangouts in our Instagram at underscore boundless youth or email us for the Zoom link at info at lifehouse.ca. Hi everyone, it's wonderful to connect with you here today online. And today is Pentecost Sunday. And the amazing thing about Pentecost Sunday is that it's actually a very prophetic time. Now, Pentecost is just the Greek name for the Jewish festival Shuvaot, which means the festival of weeks. And 
It was a time where the Jewish people celebrated the spring harvest and they also celebrated the giving of the law or the Torah. So it had both a physical component to it. There was a celebration of the physical and the agricultural, but there was also the celebration of something very profoundly spiritual. Now, the amazing thing about the celebration of Shavuot is that anyone who was Jewish was required, if they were able to, to travel to the temple in Jerusalem. And so on the first Pentecost Sunday, you had Jewish people from all over the world gathered in Jerusalem. Now for us, why Pentecost is so wonderful and why we celebrate it with such joy is because it is the first time that God the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, God the Holy Spirit comes to earth and baptizes the believers with his power and with fire and with the ability to do what Jesus had commissioned them to do. Now, we celebrate it, but that first Pentecost, we have to acknowledge that the believers were in a desperate state. Jesus had ascended back to heaven and he had told them to go to Jerusalem and to wait for the Holy Spirit to come. He had promised that he would send the Holy Spirit, but they were terrified. They were fearful internally. They were dealing with Jesus's leaving. They were having to deal with the external pressure of being um, persecuted by the Jewish authorities. And so you had 120 individuals in an upper room in Jerusalem whose lives had been turned upside down and inside out. I don't believe that they considered it a very positive time in history. And we are living in a very similar time where many of our lives have been turned upside down and inside out. Many of us are facing deep personal internal fear. Many of us are, are under the external pressures of loss and of uncertainty. So much of what we've known um, to be secure has been shaken. And so we are actually in quite similar situations. But what those early believers did not understand until the Holy Spirit arrived was that they were on the brink of some unprecedented opportunities. The Church of Christ was about to be born and I want to suggest to us today that we are in a similar position. We are on the brink of some unprecedented opportunities if we will allow God to give us His perspective. And so this is what I want to really just chat through with us today. Our lives, to a greater or a lesser degree, have been thoroughly disrupted. And I think for us as individuals and for the world as a whole, everything that we have known up to this point has been shaken. And what I have found in my life is that when I'm going through times of great uncertainty, when I am going through a difficult circumstance and I truly do not know how to move forward or know what the answers are, I have asked myself, two questions and those questions have been shaped by the life of a person whose life was turned upside down and inside out because of Pentecost and that is the person of Paul. When we turn to Acts 9 and then Acts 22 as well, Paul actually shares his story with us. And he says it twice, and that always makes me pay attention. When God takes the time to repeat things, I know I better listen up. 
And so what Paul does in Acts 9 and then again in Acts 22 is he describes what happened to him when he encountered Jesus Christ for the first time. And so he tells us that he was on his way to the city of Damascus. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was zealous. He was full of passion, but he was actively imprisoning and murdering believers. He was murdering Christians and he thought that he was doing the right thing. And he had these letters from the authorities giving him full permission to imprison any man, woman or child who was a believer in Christ. And history tells us that many of those believers once imprisoned would then be executed for their beliefs. So Paul is on his way to Damascus. He's on the road and he encounters Jesus Christ. We are told that there's this blinding light that, that surrounds him and his companions. And the companions hear what sounds like thunder, but Paul hears the voice of Jesus. And Jesus addresses Paul. And here is Paul's response. And he repeats it twice for us. Paul's response was, Who are you, Lord? And then his second question was, What do you want me to do? Now, he says, Who are you, Lord? What do you want me to do? And I want to suggest today that the Holy Spirit is encouraging us as individuals to ask those two questions as well. When everything around us is shaking, he's bringing these two questions to our mind again. And he's saying, if you will ask these questions, I will release hope, I will release purpose, and I will show you what it is that I am doing in this day and what I'm about to do in this day. So let's just look at the first question. Who are you, Lord? Now, in Hebrews 12, verse 2, it says, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter or the finisher of our faith. And a few weeks ago, I shared that prophetic word with you because the Holy Spirit was highlighting it for us. And he's brought it up again today for our consideration. And then in Hebrews 3, it says, Fix your thoughts on Jesus, our apostle and our high priest. James has been speaking to us over the weeks and also through his daily videos about how our thoughts and our feelings affect us and affect our walk with the Lord and how we are not to determine our decisions based on our feelings and our emotions. Now, our feelings and our emotions are all heightened right now because of the pandemic and because of the, the results. And um, he's been speaking to us about the fact that we actually, in Jesus, have an ability to both take our thoughts captive and to live from a place that is outside of our emotions. We get to live from our spirit. And when we ask the question, who are you, Lord? It forces us to fix our eyes on something other than our circumstances and other than what our feelings are telling us in that moment. And then we're able to remember, who is the Lord? Well, he's our provider. He's our protector. He's our living hope. He's our life. And I want you to hear what he wants to say to you today. Because in answer to the question, who are you, Lord? He says in Isaiah 41, I am the Lord, your God, who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear, I will help you. Isn't that so beautiful? 
Listen to that again. For I am the Lord, your God, who takes hold of your right hand. He doesn't just speak to us from some lofty place. He comes down. He takes hold of our hand. He says, I am with you. I will help you. Do not fear. That is who our Lord is. And I know for some of you watching today, this is the word that you need to hear. You need to allow it to go deep into your spirit. That God says, I am the Lord, your God. And I am the one who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear. I will help you. And then in Psalm 55, David is going through unbelievable distress. He is fearful. He is in danger. He has been betrayed. Everything David knows has been shaken as well. But he declares this amazing truth. He declares that he knows that God will hear his cry. And then he says this very well-known uh, statement. He says, cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. That's Psalm 55. That word cast actually has a violent action attached to it. It's not just a little, oh Lord, I'm bringing my problems to you and I hope that somehow you can do something with them. It actually means uh, the same action um, that a person who's playing football would um, would do so if you we watched a movie recently on um, this uh, life of a of a football player, and and just watching the power that um, that was released when when this man picked up that football and he cast it across the field, there was a violent action that went with it, and that is the same word that is being used in the Bible here, that we are to cast our cares. Onto the Lord. Um, if you picture a fisherman casting his line, he doesn't just do a little whoop. It's, it's a huge action and it is an action. And scripture is encouraging us to do the same with all of our burdens, our anxieties, our worries, and our cares. God is actually inviting us to violently hurl all of these things that are causing distress and damage to us. He's inviting us as his children to hurl them on him. He's saying, I'm big enough. I've got this. I can handle what you're going through. Give it to me. And I just think it's such a wonderful word for us in this season. God is saying, cast your cares on me. I will sustain you. So when we ask that first question, who are you, Lord? It's helping us to fix our eyes on Jesus. We are reminded that he is the Lord who takes hold of our right hand and says to us, do not fear, I will help you. And he is the one who invites us to cast our cares onto him, to violently hurl onto him everything that is causing us distress because he wants to be the one that sustains us. Now, you know, it's, it's interesting because I always think about how God calls us to worship him and it is true, I believe, in life that we become like whatever it is that we worship. And when we are worshiping something, we're actually magnifying it. We're lifting it or we're elevating it to a place of great importance. And when we choose to fix our eyes on anything other than Jesus, what happens is that that thing is the thing that is magnified in our life. And God is saying, church, 
I am the only one that you are to magnify. I am the only one that you are to worship. And so I just want to encourage you, friends, if you have been magnifying your anxiety, your problems, in a sense, you've been worshiping your worry. God is inviting us today to make an exchange. He's saying, come and fix your eyes back on me. Remember who I am. Remember Paul's question, who are you, Lord? And so when we choose to worship Jesus, we are reminded of his magnificence. We're reminded of his power. And we are reminded that he is the one who will sustain us. Now, moving on to the second question, Paul said, what do you want me to do? And this question has always helped me shift my focus from what I'm feeling and from what the situation is telling me. And it shifts my focus and allows me to obtain God's perspective on the situation. So the second question, what do you want me to do, is of vital importance and specifically for us at this time. If we look at Romans 8 verse 28, it says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Another translation says that God causes everything to work together for the good of those that love him. When we have God's perspective in a situation, when we are asking, what do you want me to do, Lord? What it's doing is it immediately is suggesting that there is a future that is already secure in God for us. We may not see it. We may not feel it. But there is the suggestion that there is something better ahead. And we know from the Roman scripture that God has promised that. Now, in this time, friends, you may have lost your job. You may have lost your business. You may have lost your home. I know that some of you have lost loved ones. Um, you've lost a sense of security. Uh, perhaps your finances have taken a massive hit. And they were your future and it's where a lot of your hope was based. Grieving is an important part of life and it is understandable that many of us are in a season of grieving. We're grieving what was. I think if we're realistic we realize that there is no going back to what was. The world has shifted. Things have changed and they've changed on a global scale. And I know that many of us are longing for a sense of what was once normal but much of that is past and we won't be revisiting that again and so there is a grief that goes with that but God is saying to us as his church in the midst of this he is saying there is something about to transpire if you will allow me to give you my perspective isn't that amazing and this is why I'm saying to us, I think we're in the same position, or a very similar position, not the same, because we already have the Holy Spirit with us. But we're in the same position as those 120 believers in the upper room. There was unprecedented opportunity about to be birthed. The church of Christ was about to be born, but they weren't actually aware of it yet. And I want to say to us, what, what is it that is about to be birthed in God that maybe we can't quite yet see? 
but God's inviting us to partner with him and he's saying to us, there's hope. I know how to bring something good out of this and you are all a part of it. Now I want to give you um, a quick story as an illustration of how a question like this in a time of grief can literally elevate your understanding and your, your hope levels. Um, when Joel was five years old, uh, we, um, I was pregnant with um, our second child. And on my birthday, I had to go for a scan. And when I went for a scan, we found out that um, the baby's heartbeat had stopped. And I remember being so full of grief and so devastated. But I had learned in life because God had taught me to ask these questions, no matter what the season. And so my first question to God was, Lord, what do you want me to do? And I was really concerned, actually, for Joel, because as a five-year-old, he had tremendous faith. He had seen God do many miracles. He had, see, he had experienced many miracles in his own body. He had seen God literally save him from danger. And so he had a tremendous faith in God. And I knew that this would be devastating for this little boy. And I remember driving home from the, um, from the hospital where I'd, where I'd had the ultrasound and, and so sad and so worried about, about how, how were James and I going to explain this to Joel. And God said to me, tell him the truth. In answer to my question, Lord, what do you want me to do? God said, tell Joel the truth and then trust me. And so we told him that the baby's heartbeat had stopped. And the amazing thing is that as we spoke to Joel, God just gave us the words. And God just said, tell him that this little one can never be snatched away from me, that she is with me, that she is loved. She will only always know perfect peace and perfect love. The enemy can never touch her life. And one day you will be with her. And God somehow brought such perspective and hope and, and life into a very desperate and sad situation. And I want to just say to you, if you are grieving today in any way, ask God the question because he has an answer for you that will surprise you, but it will release his life into your life and into your situation. My loss was a baby that I didn't get to raise and nurture. Your loss might be something else, but I can testify to the fact that out of any loss, there is a godly opportunity waiting to be birthed because God is with us. The same Holy Spirit who filled those early believers with power and with a boldness to go out and to declare what Jesus had done and to, to not bother about the cost that they would have to endure. They, didn't, they, they just counted themselves worthy to suffer for the name of Jesus. They were empowered in a way that no person had been empowered before. And that same Holy Spirit is with us in this situation today to do the very same thing. He hasn't changed. And so for us as individuals and as the church, we need to be asking God, Lord, what, what is it that you want me to do? We're called to be the priesthood of all believers. We already know some things that God has called us to do. He's called us the priesthood of all believers. He's invited us every single one of us to be a part of his church and his body to make him known to the nations of the world every single one of us has a role to play 
No one is excluded. Your age doesn't exclude you. Your gender doesn't exclude you. You are not excluded. If you have given your life to Jesus, if you have been saved and filled with God, the Holy Spirit himself, you have a vital role to play. You are one of his priests. We are called to disciple others. You know that as a church, we have been going through a lengthy process of understanding what discipleship is all about. We are called to disciple and we have unprecedented opportunities in this season to have conversations with people who were never open before. And God is holding these things before us and saying, church, it's time to rise up. There is no place for passivity. There's no place for compassion fatigue. I've been hearing in different conversations with people, people are just dismissing how hard it is. We're, we're dismissing the deaths of people as statistics. Compassion fatigue, it's, it's a very real thing. But we know as God's children that his love compels us. And so let us push to the side any passivity. Let us not allow our compassion to become dull. But instead, let, let us allow God's love to compel us to reach out to those that are around us. There is no spectator status in the body of Christ. We were never called to be spectators. And so God is asking us to ask these two questions. Who are you, Lord? And what is it that you want me to do? And friends, I really encourage us that as we ask these questions, let's put action to what God says. And honestly, it could be as impactful as God saying, I want you to pay someone's mortgage. And it could be as seemingly small as him saying to you, I want you to bake a loaf of bread for someone. But Luki shared a story with me where they literally had run out of bread. And it wasn't that they didn't have the money to get it because they did, but she couldn't get to the store and they had run out of bread. And she didn't even ask God to help in that situation. But there was a knock at the door and someone had left a steaming hot loaf of freshly baked bread on her doorstep. And it was such a sign for her from God of him saying, Luki, I love you. I've got this. I know what you need. You can cast your cares on me. I will sustain you. And so to whoever that person was, God bless you. Because what was probably a small action for you was, was very impactful for another one of God's children. So I want to encourage us, let us be mindful. And whatever it is that God asks us to do in answer to this question, what do you want me to do, Lord? Let's put action to it. Don't second guess. Let's do what God is asking us to do. He loves us, church. He's with us. He is leading us through these very unusual times. And we have opportunities at our fingertips if we will allow him to open our eyes. So in closing, I would love to just pray for us and to just declare God's blessing over us. So... Lord, I ask you to fill us like you did in the early church. I ask you to fill us with power and with boldness that we may represent you to those that are around us. God, I pray for the businesses that have been affected. And I ask for your kingdom ideas, Lord, for your provision and for breakthrough. 
Father, for those that are sick and working with the sick, Lord, we ask in your mighty name for healing, for protection, for provision, and for everything that they need. God, I ask that in this season of our life, our response would be, who are you, Lord? And what is it that you want us to do? God, I ask that your love would compel us to obey you and that we would rise up as the priesthood of all believers, Lord. I ask that any hint of passivity would literally be lifted off your body, Lord. And I pray for every one of us for a spirit of wisdom and revelation to know you better. And friends, I just declare over you today in the name of Jesus that regardless of this physical distancing, I pray and I declare over you that you will experience the truth, that you are still connected to community and to the body of Christ. We cannot be disconnected from one another because the Holy Spirit is with us and he binds us together. And so I declare over you that you are empowered in him and you are empowered by him to live a full and an abundant life regardless of circumstances. And I declare that you will abound in every spiritual blessing and live in his peace. So God bless you beautiful friends. I trust that uh, you'll have a wonderful, peaceful, empowered week. And I look forward to connecting again online with you very soon. Everyone, it was amazing having you this morning. If you have any prayer requests or if you have any feedback for us or if you are new here, we want you to use the connection card. You can just send us a message via that. If you're new, send us your details. We want to stay in touch with you. We've got some great things that happen during the week like online life groups, online prayer meetings. We want to let you know all the things that are going on. We've also got a youth program that's happening online and kids ministry online. So even though we're not able to meet together in person, there's great ways for us to connect and we can't connect with you if we don't know you're there. So send us your details. We we want to uh, stay connected and everyone have just an amazing week. Take care.